Once there was a time when all the elements of earth, sea, and sky lived on the land together in many, many villages. Many years ago, back in the old country, there lived a holy, sweet couple who loved each other so very much. A long time ago, in a village, somewhere in Tamil Nadu, there lived a monkey. There was once a man, tall and handsome, who met a, a woman, beautiful and elegant, and they fell in love with each other. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. Who doesn't like kittens? I mean, really, cute and cuddly, and you just want to hug them till you pass out. A friend called me up and invited me to come see her new kittens, and I was thrilled. I could hear their little meow and whine when I arrived at the door, so I eagerly knocked, waited, and then knocked again. The door opened just a crack, and I could see only my friend's eye peering out at me. What's going on? It'll make sense when you get inside. Now, when I open the door, you have to get inside as quickly as possible, okay? She opened the door just enough for me to slip through and then slammed it so hard it clipped the back of my heel. Hey! Oh. I'd been looking at the floor expecting to see a kitten tumble by, but moved back when something flapped past my face. There were shapes moving through the air, and they were kittens with little fuzzy wings. This is a unique episode, and not just because of the flying kittens. The two stories you are about to hear are based on the same traditional story. This often happens. You've heard versions of Goldilocks and the Three Bears or Little Red Riding Hood. I thought it would be interesting to have an episode that features one story in two forms. The first version is by Liz Ware, a storyteller from Northern Ireland who has been on the podcast before, and she tells the story, The Peddler. Outside the town of Balhadrine in County Roscommon, there lived a peddler. His house was at a crossroads. House, it was a small cottage, one room, but sure wasn't enough for him. In the front of it, there was a cherry tree, and at the back, the peddler grew vegetables. But the people of the village laughed at him. They said, do you not see the birds coming down, robbing the fruit? Do you not see the rabbits and hares eating your vegetables? But the peddler was a quiet man. He said, ah, the birds reward me with their sweet music. And what better company has a lonely man in the evening than those small creatures, the rabbits and the hares? People would shake their heads. He was indeed a simple man. As he walked about from place to place with his pack on his back, he would sell trinkets. Maybe a young girl might come and ask for a ribbon. How much? A penny? She'd shake her head. He'd say, take it. I'll see you the next time I'm here. Sure, it looks prettier in your hair than in my bag. Or a small boy might come up and finger a spinning top. How much? Three halfpence. I've got a halfpenny. I'll take it with you. Sure, I'll see you again. The people would shake their heads and say, Ah, what a simple man. There'll come a day when you peddler won't have any money at all. 
and the peddler would smile and shake his head. He was a familiar figure at all the markets and fairs. And as well as selling things from his pack, he was noted as a storyteller. He would gather the children and the older people around him and tell them stories of the great heroes of Ireland, Finn McCool, Cúhallan, even St. Patrick himself. As he told his stories, he would say, Remember, these great heroes once walked the roads of Ireland as ordinary men and women. So whenever you meet a stranger along the way, be kind to them. You never know who you're talking to. And the boys and girls who heard the peddler's stories kept them in their hearts until they were old men and old women. But the years passed and the peddler himself grew old. He was too old to hobble about. His pack on his back was nearly empty. He had no food in his house and he went to bed hungry. And hungry people are wont to dream. And the peddler dreamt that St. Patrick himself came into the house, pointed and said, Peddler, peddler of Balahadrine, take the road to Dublin town. Find the bridge that crosses the Liffey. Wait there, and you'll hear what you're meant to hear. The next night, the peddler had the same dream, and the next. And after three nights, the peddler thought, Well, I might as well go to Dublin and die hungry there, as wait here and die. So he made the long and difficult journey up to the city of Dublin. He found the bridge that crossed the Liffey, and there he stood, not knowing what he was waiting for. He looked like an old scarecrow, tall and thin, his ragged clothes flapping in the cold breeze. And when the light was failing, and everyone had ignored him all day long, crowds just passing him by without a glance, He decided to come off the bridge, find somewhere to lie down and, for all he knew, die. But as he came off that bridge, he heard a voice call, Here! Over here! And he looked, and there, standing at an inn, was the innkeeper. Come over here. I've been watching you there all day long. You must have a story to tell. Come in. Sit down. Have a bowl of broth. You're half chilled. Gratefully, the peddler sat down, his hands shaking as he brought the spoonful of broth to his mouth. Oh, you see, he said, for the last three nights, I have had a dream. Ha! Dreams, said the innkeeper. Don't talk to me about dreams. For the last three nights, I have had a dream. Do you know, St. Patrick himself came to me. He said, innkeeper, take the road to Balahadrine and County Roscommon. There at a crossroads, you'll find a cottage. In the front of it, there's a cherry tree. Dig you down under that tree and you'll find what you're meant to find. The peddler was amazed. It was his house he was talking about. He finished his soup, thanked the man and made the long journey back home faster than he'd come down it. When he got home, he reached for a spade and started to dig down under the cherry tree. He scraped the soil away and lifted out a chest. When he opened that chest, there inside was gold, Spanish gold. Oh, the peddler didn't need much for himself. He took a little to buy some food. But the rest he gave to the people of the town. And they say that when the peddler finally died, they built a statue at the side of the road 
the peddler of Bahadrin, with his pack on his back and a dog at his heels. It can be so hard to be good, especially when there are girls who are more beautiful than you and poison apples are a dime a dozen. When there is the right thing to do, and then there are pesky children who never grow up and you are a pirate who could chase them. If you're trying to be better, or court-ordered to be better, Villains Anonymous is the place for you. This program focuses on avoiding triggers like the color red, or staying away from candy stores, even if the gumdrops would look beautiful on your sugar pane windows. While avoiding triggers, participants are encouraged to find other hobbies, like fishing, craft brewing, or knitting. We have many successful cases of villains becoming the hero or secondary character of a new story. One of our villains took up carpentry, started a business, and carved a puppet out of wood, who eventually became a real boy. So please, don't be shy, and come visit Villains Anonymous. We know it can be so hard to be good. They fly everywhere. My friend was wailing as we shooed the flying balls of fur back into the guest room. As strange as it was to see kittens with wings, they still acted like kittens. Three of them collided mid-air and rolled onto the floor, chewing on each other's ears and tails. Then another skittered into them and broke apart the fight, and they all took flight again. So, does their mother have wings? No, said my friend as she tugged on her hair. I was hoping you could explain how this happened. I looked at her. Well, when a cat and a bird love each other very much... No, 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 said my friend. I was hoping as a storyteller you might have heard of a story with flying cats. My mind was flipping through the stories that I knew as one of the little kittens landed on my shoulder and I began to pet it as it purred, its little tiny claws digging into my sweater. Well, there are many flying cats in mythology. The Sphinx and many myths and depictions of winged cats from North Africa. I'm assuming you have no idea who the father is. My friend shrugged as she looked at the little creatures. The bird next door? The one on my shoulder was looking sleepy, so I cuddled it in the crook of my arm and folded the wings around it. I don't think you will have a hard time finding a home for any of these, but you might want to make sure whoever adopts them has high ceilings and trees around their houses. The little sphinx kitten in my arms purred in agreement. The second story for this episode is the same traditional story that you heard earlier, but it has been crafted into something ever so slightly different and Western. This is by Colorado storyteller Laura Deal, and the story is titled, Tex Buys a Dream. I want to tell you the story of a man named Tex, a hard-working cowboy who lived in the late 1800s in Colorado. He'd come from Texas on a cattle drive with his friend Bob, and the rancher who had bought the cattle had about two months' work for him, and in that time, Tex managed to fall in love. There was a young woman named Kate who worked there at the ranch as a laundress. Kate fell in love with Tex, too, and so they got married. Now, the owner of the ranch valued Kate's hard work so much that he offered to let them stay in a little house that he had down at the corner of the property so they could live there together. But those two months went by, and then Tex didn't have any more work. So he went out looking for a job with just a few coins in his pocket. He was very sorry to leave Kate behind, 
but he had to do what he had to do. His friend Bob went with him. The second day that Tex and Bob were out, it was a hot, muggy day with the sun so bright they had to squint. Along about midday, they came to a stream shaded by cottonwood trees, and they decided to take a little break and let the heat of the day ease off a bit. They let the horses graze, and Bob fell asleep right away, but Tex, he just sat there thinking about Kate, about the life they might have together and what he could do to keep her safe and happy. What he wanted more than anything was a little ranch of their own with cattle and horses and dogs and maybe some chickens. He knew it would be a lot of hard work, but neither he nor Kate were afraid of hard work, so that would be no problem. Ah, he was dreaming, though. How would he ever get that kind of money? As Tex sat there daydreaming, all of a sudden Bob snorted. Tex looked down at his friend and saw a little bee fly out of Bob's nose. The bee flew away to the north. Tex thought that was the strangest thing he'd ever seen. And then Bob sat up and said, Oh, I had the weirdest dream. Well, what'd you dream? I dreamt there was this bee that told me to go to this ranch. Oh, what was it? The richest ranch west of Denver. Yeah, that was it. And and there'd be a pine tree growing behind that house, and next to that pine tree there'd be a rabbit brush bush all in bloom, and if if I dug down next to that rabbit brush bush, I'd find me a jug full of gold. Now Tex, he heard gold, and his ears perked right up. A little shiver started going down his spine. Really? You gonna do that? Bob said, What? No, it'd be crazy to go chasing off because of a strange dream. I gotta find me a job. Tex said, I tell you what, I'll buy that dream from you. What do you mean you'll buy my dream? What kind of fool talk is that? Tex reached into his pocket and pulled out a whole dollar. Back in those days, that was a lot of money. In fact, it was all the money Tex had saved toward buying a place of his own with Kate. But he said, Yep, I believe in it. I want to buy that dream. Well, Bob rubbed his head and wondered if he was still dreaming or if his friend had gone clean off his rocker. But a dollar was a dollar. Well, I hate to take your money, but if you're serious, I won't argue. So Tex bought that dream, and he set out right away, heading north for Denver, looking for the richest ranch west of the city. He made his way through the mountains and hardly took any time to sleep or rest, just hurried on thinking about that dream. And as he got into the hills west of Denver, he started asking around, what would be the richest ranch in these parts? Didn't take long for people to point him to Witta Johnson's ranch. They all said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, Widow Johnson, she's the one with all the money, but she's tight about it. She probably won't be hiring. She's as likely to give you a tongue lashing as anything just for showing up at her door. Well, this didn't worry Tex. A tongue lashing he could take. So along about dusk, he went up to Widow Johnson's ranch and rode on up to the big fancy house. Oh, it was bigger than most churches he'd seen. He tied his horse at the rail and knocked on that door like he believed it. Witta Johnson opened that door herself, and she was a tiny woman, all bone and grit. She glared at him and said, I ain't hiring. Tex said, oh no, ma'am, I didn't come about a job. 
Well, what are you wasting my time for then? Well, you see, it's like this. I just want to ask you if you have a pine tree behind your house. She looked at him. Well, yes. And is there a rabbit brush bush all in bloom growing next to that pine? Well, yes. Why do you ask? See, I had this dream. Well, I didn't have the dream. I bought the dream. But this dream told me if I dug down next to that rabbit brush bush, there'd be a jug full of gold. There'd be everything I need to start my life with Kate. Really? Widow Johnson started thinking. Now she'd never been adverse to having a little more gold, and he did know about the pine tree and the rabbit brush bush, and it was blooming out of season, so that was a little odd. She said, I'll tell you what. It's getting on toward dusk. You go on down to the bunkhouse and get yourself some supper. You can stay there tonight, and in the morning we'll go see about this dream of yours. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Oh, bless you. This is great. And he went off so happy to have a warm meal and a place to sleep and excited about the morning. He slept that night so peaceful. Went at Johnson, though. She didn't sleep. She paced back and forth And then she finally went and woke up her oldest son, Russell, and she said, There's probably nothing to it, but if there's gold under that rabbit brush bush, I figure it's on my property, so it belongs to me. And you're going to inherit someday, so you're going to come dig. Russell said, Yes, Mama. So he got the shovel, and she got the lantern, and they went out there by the rabbit brush bush. He started digging, and the ground, it was usually so hard, it was soft and easy, just like it was meant to be. It didn't take very long before his shovel hit that jug just sitting there in the earth. Witta Johnson, she held that lantern high and pulled the cork out of that jug. A little bee flew out, circled the lantern once, and flew away. When Witta Johnson looked in that jug, she started to laugh. That jug was plumb empty. Russell said, What are you laughing for, Mama? There's no gold. But she said, This will be the best joke ever played on anybody. They put that cork back in and filled up that hole. She couldn't wait to see the look on Tex's face, and she stomped on the ground so it wouldn't look freshly dug. And then she went to bed. In the morning, she went out there with Tex. Tex started digging, and that ground moved real well. It didn't take him very long before he got down to that jug. The dream was true. He was so excited. He reached down and pulled that cork out, and what do you think was in there? Well, it was empty. Now, Tex, he couldn't believe it. He realized what a fool he'd been to give his money to Bob and come all that way to dig up that jug and find out the dream had been a lie after all. He apologized, all sorrowful for wasting Widow Johnson's time. He got on his horse and rode away. Widow Johnson, she didn't really think it was funny anymore. This young man had been so earnest and so disappointed. And Tex, he was such a straight shooter, it never occurred to him that Widow Johnson might have dug that jug up first and taken the money. No, he just thought about how he was going to tell Kate that he'd spent that whole dollar for nothing. As he rode home over some of those high mountain passes, he looked down and Thought about not going home to Kate at all, but he knew he couldn't do that to her. He thought about making up some story, but he couldn't come up with anything but the truth, which didn't paint him in a very good light. It took him three days to get back to that ranch where they had their little house. 
He got there about midday, so he thought Kate would be up at the bunkhouse doing laundry, but no. She came running out of the house. She said, Tex, Tex, you're home. Come on, you won't believe it. She didn't look like she was hurt or anything, but something was the matter. He jumped off his horse and went into the house holding her hand. She opened up that door, and on the floor of their house there was gold. Coins everywhere. Tex said, Where'd all this come from? She said, You're not going to believe it. It was about three nights ago I was asleep, dreaming about you, and I woke up to a sound like a swarm of bees up in the attic. I got up and opened up the trap door to the attic, and this one little bee came flying out, flew around me, and then flew off. And a moment later, all these gold coins came pouring out all over the floor. I left them here so you could see. I just know you're not going to believe it. But the truth was, Tex did believe it, and they bought their little ranch, and they had cattle and horses and dogs and chickens and some beehives. And from that day forward, their lives were as sweet as honey. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 39. Show the love. Find Liz Weir and Laura Deal on Facebook and the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. The story from Liz Weir is from her CD, A Glen of Tales, and the story by Laura Deal is from her CD, The Diff and Deffer Taffy Cafe. You can find those through their websites or find links at storystorypodcast.com. In fairy tales, the magic number is three. So I have three things for you to do. One, like and rate the show on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Two, join the mailing list. You will get a link to the podcast delivered to your inbox, plus news and other storytelling-related goodness. Three, consider becoming a supporter. For as little as $4 a month, the cost of a scented candle, you help support the podcast and will get access to a story story short. The story story short for this episode is by Nora Dooley and is titled Guafa Eats Out. You can find out how to support the podcast, join the mailing list at storystorypodcast.com and a thank you as big as a winter storm to those who are donating. If you would like to stay connected, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. Please come say hello. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Next episode is all about Aesop with one of his stories that you've heard and one I'm pretty sure you haven't. I hope you'll join me again and until then... Live happily ever after. The wedding lasted for seven days. I know. I was there. I would cross 27 countries, wear out three pairs of boots, battle two giants, and the grandmother of all witches, Baba Yaga before I was reunited with my frog princess. But that's a story for another time. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go sing with the fairies. Just because a story is strange, do not mistake. It can also be true.